Hello, everyone. Justin Vakuli here with another episode of the Stoic Philosophy Podcast. Today's episode features American Muslim Tim Maloney. We talk about Islam, Stoicism, and community activism. Tim Maloney is an American Muslim activist and community organizer from Northeastern Pennsylvania. He received his BA degree in Communication Arts and Humanities from Keystone College. Tim currently serves on the Steering Committee for the Peace and Justice Center and Executive Committee for the Wilkes-Barre NAACP Youth Council. In 2016, Tim won Best Life Blog at the NEPA BlogCon's Blog of the Year Awards. In 2017, he was the recipient of the Susan Merrill Constance Kozal Award. This is presented by the Interfaith Resource Center for Peace and Justice to an individual whose contributions to society reflect the principles of justice and peace. Visit my website at justinvacula.com, where you can find links to my social portals, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and see past content on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Support me on my patreon.com page, on which I offer several rewards. Please share, comment, like, and subscribe. All right, let's move on to today's discussion with Tim Maloney. All right, thank you for joining me today for conversation. Glad to be here. All right, today we'll talk about Stoicism and Islam. So can you talk a bit about yourself and your path to Islam? So I became a Muslim, or I gained interest in Islam, I should say, back in 2011. I was looking for some peace and quiet in my college when I was a freshman and stumbled upon the Quran, and from there my interest in the faith kind of blossomed. Over the next couple of years, I learned a little bit about the Islamic faith and other religions as well. And in doing so, I gained an appreciation for both what is now my faith and other religious beliefs as well. And I also got to meet some interesting people along the way. All right. And what are some of the themes? We've talked a bit about Stoic philosophy and parallels with Stoicism and Islam. What are some takes within Islam that benefit you? One thing that I find very significant is the emphasis on charity, about um, putting others before yourself. Mm-hmm. It's actually one of the third pillars of Islam is charity. During the holy month of Ramadan, Muslims that are able are encouraged to uh, give to the poor or needy a certain percentage of their yearly income. It's also called zakat. Yeah, right? and there's a lot of talk within Stoicism about doing social good, about being active in the community, helping others, right? That What, what, what good is it staying home and under the blankets, go ahead and do the work of being a human, is a paraphrase of Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, this is one of the reasons why I started my blog, too, is to share some of the activities that I start and that are also going on in the community to hopefully encourage others to become engaged and even consider coming up with their own ways to make an impact right? Uh, based off their own religious beliefs or you know, philosophies. Mm-hmm. And what are some events that you've been associated with recently? Uh, recently, I went to the Rally of Love, It was in response to the tragic events we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia. About 100-some people gathered in Wilkes-Barre and another 150-some people in a sister rally in Scranton gathered in solidarity uh, with the people affected. And I believe one, three people were killed, Mm -hmm. uh, Heather Hare and two police officers. And the overall message was to kind of spread uh, a message of peace and love in a time when hate seems very, very vocal. Uh-huh. Was there an agenda for the events, or how did it go about? They had uh, three speakers. They had the president of the Wilkes-Barre NAACP speak first, and she spoke about the importance of one's vote and to elect officials 
that are responsible and behave in an ethical manner. Mm-hmm. And they also had a rabbi speak who talked about uh, coming together and to be united in times of divisiveness. And there was also a musician who played several uh, pieces to hopefully lift people's spirits and further unite us. Okay. Yes, and within Stoicism, there's a theme of cosmopolitanism in that, yes, we're, we're all humans, we're all related, we're part of this earth, and I would imagine that that's a theme within Islam as well. Yeah, there's one often repeated verse that I've heard a lot as of late, which stresses that God could have made us one community or one tribe, but he decided to make us many people. And I think that really is a testament to God's plan of diversity. And reading that, you can kind of get a sense of appreciation for the different religious beliefs and cultural practices in the world. Right. So people coming together through different perspectives with different skills and strengths that they can contribute to help each other, right? Right, yeah. And the verse continues on and says that the reason for this diversity isn't so we could fight and bicker about our differences, but to learn from the different perspectives we might have. Right. And unfortunately, the fighting and bickering is often quite common, right? Yeah. And it becomes even more complicated from my perspective and my faith when people make things kind of complicated and intermix their cultural background with the Islamic faith and then act like the cultural is the faith. Right. You've talked about some tension there and that maybe you haven't been welcome in certain Islamic communities or have faced some adversity because of that. Yeah. One problematic situation is that some people with very convoluted sense of the Islamic faith come to think that certain ethnicities are superior than others. We see that here in America, but there's also folks overseas that believe that too. And I believe these hateful ideologies are more alike than they are different. And I think it's important for people to realize that we should be more vocal in terms of being accepting and inclusive to all walks of life. Because as I mentioned before, that verse mentioning the importance of diversity and several other verses, as well as teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, encourage us to... Uh, be open-minded and welcoming, not to, to discriminate or exclude folks. Mm-hmm. So what's your response then when you encounter adversity, when you encounter exclusion from others? It could be challenging at times. There have been some instances where my initial gut response is to respond with anger. But uh, speaking from experience, feeding into the anger isn't going to make anything better. It's like trying to fight fire with fire. It's just going to leave everything scorched. I think the best solution is to respond in uh, a calm, patient, and make every attempt possible to have a kind response. Like in one instance, I had a fellow come up to me and ask me, how can you be a Muslim when there are terrorists like ISIS? Aren't all Muslims like ISIS? Mm-hmm. And the, it kind of threw me back that he was just brazenly asked that to me, you know, and I had to stress, again, that all too often you hear that Islam is a religion of peace, but I think the best way to 
show that is to uh, kind of walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Right. And I explained to him some of the verses in the Quran that encourage peaceful action rather than war or acts of violence, but also kind of wanted to stress that some folks have a different sense of the Islamic faith. There are over 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, and there's going to be some difference in interpretation. Sure, sure. Within Stoicism, yeah, there's a lot of talk about anger being an unproductive emotion, that it's negative, that it's not going to help us deal with the situation, but yes, can escalate things, can make things worse for us and others as well. One thing that I think is kind of impressive is that here in America, Muslims are pretty much a minority uh, religion. Most Christian faiths have their own churches or houses of worship dedicated to specific uh, systems of belief, like you have Catholic, Protestant, Mm -hmm. uh, Methodist. But here, in many places, there's only like a small mosque or a gathering place, and so all the different uh, systems of belief in Islam have to come together and cooperate when in a, many places overseas or in bigger cities uh, you have specific uh, houses of worship dedicated to like say uh, Sufism or more orthodox viewpoint and I think it's pretty cool actually that people with all different kinds of beliefs can come together and worship under one house Mm -hmm. But that's brought its own problems, as you said. Yeah. Uh, some people have the idea that their way is the only way. From there, I think you can learn an important lesson of compromise and uh, deepen one's sense of understanding, because in doing so, you realize that there are other worldviews. From there, while po uh, problems can arise, I think you can also learn from people's frustrations and take proactive uh, steps to better accommodate people and also while there are challenges that may come up like I've personally encountered people who have racist views towards certain ethnicities mm -hmm. uh, both in the Islamic faith and outside of it I think it's important to bring people together no matter what their beliefs are because uh, as I mentioned you can learn a lot from different walks of life Right, so taking more of a big tent approach and having these conversations, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and you recently hosted or helped organize a piecemeal event. Can you talk about that? Earlier last year, I met an Episcopal priest who invited me to this potluck called a piecemeal at Elm Park Church. And from my understanding, they have these every second Saturday of every month. And I believe if you contact them, you can figure out when the next one will be, right. and if they're still hosting them. But the pastor there, who was holding that particular event, mentioned that there are churches all up and down eastern Pennsylvania holding these piecemeal potlucks, and how it's a great way for people, no matter their income, could gather and have a, a decent hot meal. And I wanted to kind of mimic that, but give an Islamic spin to it, and I had two previous ones, and my most recent one was last month, and so far they've been pretty successful in gathering different walks of life from around the area to sit down and talk and make a new friend or two, and also hear different perspectives. Right. Uh, the most recent one uh, ended up making uh, the TV news, which was pretty surprising, and I was pretty happy to hear that they would mention 
all the different uh, walks of life that were mentioned in attendance, I should say, at the event. There was Christians, Jews, non-religious people, people from the LGBT community, people in my faith, as well as uh, several other religious uh, beliefs, such as the Baha'is. And right. We also had the opportunity to try all these different kinds of food and uh, snacks from people's different backgrounds and cultures. And some of the food was pretty interesting. Right. So a cultural experience there, something immersive where, yes, people can come together with common ground, common goals and have conversation. Yeah, I think having informal events like that are more attractive to people around the area. I have tried in the past to have more formal events like an interfaith church service type of program. And while the attendance was pretty good, the last one I had was in January. It uh, attracted about 30-some people. I think people are more interested in something that's a little bit more casual and where they could just come and go as they please. Right. So what were some things you learned from people of different traditions? You had mentioned that you haven't heard much about the Baha'i faith before, for instance. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty interesting to learn about the people of the Baha'i faith. I have very little knowledge and experience with those sorts of people. And in getting to meet them and learn a little bit about their faith, I thought it was interesting. From the little bit that I understand about it is that they draw from multiple different faiths. And it's a continuation from Islam and sprouts out from there. And they actually draw some lessons from the Islamic faith. Right. So that's that's a nice thing. It's an opportunity to learn and yeah, have a, a humble experience, right, where you're not going in there just set on just promoting one agenda or your ideas, but rather learning from others and hopefully improving from that. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I was actually kind of glad for and thankful for was that there wasn't a negative response to the event. I was a little nervous that the event was released in the, some of the local media ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that we would get some people with unwelcoming viewpoints there or even, it sounds slightly paranoid, but I believe it could happen, is have someone purposely bring some food that would contradict Islamic dietary restrictions. Because I encouraged people to bring dishes and label them right. but to accommodate certain people, because certain people can't eat certain foods for food allergies or religious or otherwise. And I was yeah thankful that everything ran smoothly and everyone there was pretty positive. Right, so maybe some disruptive individuals would show up. Surely we can look at the comment sections in local newspapers and we see all of the, <laughs> the talk that goes on in there that's not always so positive, right? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, had some interesting comments in the news and past events that I've hosted. Like, the one that sticks out in my mind is by one individual who said he, he learned everything about Islam from 9-11, Islam is a satanic culture mm. uh, set to destroy America. This Maloney moron should be ashamed of himself. Right. right. And I think it helps to look at these kind of things with a sense of humor. I know some people might find them very offensive and find themselves hurt or saddened by them, but I think to it takes it helps to take these kind of things with a grain of salt. These sort of people, I think, pr- have nothing better to do. And if you feed into it, like I mentioned before, it's just like fighting in real life. It's not going to 
really benefit anyone to feed into that kind of negativity. Right. That, that sounds like a, a good attitude of just accepting where they're at and even perhaps feeling pity for them or understanding that it's just their ignorance, that they're not looking to learn, they're not looking to benefit themselves, that they're just yes, being negative and being destructive, whereas the event is something that is intended to be positive and constructive, right? I think that one thing that I can learn from these sorts of comments is that some people are just blatantly ignorant and other people just lack a basic understanding and that events like piecemeal and other events that I host are a good kind of springboard to bring about a little bit of an understanding about what Islam truly is. In the past, I've had some people have some interesting misconceptions or believe certain myths about the Islamic faith that some of them are kind of unusual and I'm not sure where they originate from, but I think it's interesting to hear these sorts of ideas. Like for example, We've had one individual believe that Islam or Muslims worship the moon. And that one thing I want to stress there is that different countries or ethnicities speak different languages. I feel like that many people should understand that. Not, it's not like Jesus, peace be upon him, spoke English or something. Mm-hmm. Another interesting misconception that, as I mentioned before, is that some folks believe that the Quran is riddled with antagonistic or anti-Christian scripture and that it encourages violence and the destruction of the Christian faith. But if one is to read any of the translations of, in English of the Quran, you'll see that it speaks very highly of the other two Abrahamic faiths, Judaism and Christianity. In fact, Muslims recognize the Torah and the Bible as being the divine word of God. And there's actually a whole chapter in the Quran dedicated to Jesus, peace be upon him, and Mary, his mother, peace be upon her. The Prophet Muhammad also, in these things called hadith or stories about him, he encouraged, from based off a letter in his teachings, he encouraged his early Muslim followers to treat Christians and the monks with the utmost respect and kindness because they're our brothers and sisters in faith. And mm. I think that with all the current political rhetoric we go on, these kind of things become lost and kind of drowned out by all the negative news we see and the misconceptions and bizarre myths that come out of nowhere seemingly. Right. So people look at some extremism, for instance, or some of the things within Islam that even you've spoken out against, and they think that's representative of the whole. Yeah, yeah. With so many different ideas and traditions of the Islamic faith, I think it's important to point out all these diverse uh, ideas and everything. Like, as I mentioned, some are more conservative, some are more progressive, and there are some even like as I mentioned before the Sufi tradition there are some within there that believe that the love for God transcends any written scripture I find that pretty interesting that something that had originally had roots in Islam kind of branched branched out into its own thing one thing that I also find interesting is that within the Sufi faith is that there's an emphasis in many of the beliefs systems of beliefs in that 
particular uh, ideology is that they believe that you can get closer or nearer to God through dance, poetry, and song. And I think that something positive like that is something that should be more known or promoted in the uh, in times of divisiveness. Right, so some different approaches at having contentment, peace, understanding, right? And all sorts of people come to wisdom in different ways. It's not always going to be study or reading. It's going to be different approaches for different people, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's harmful when some people take things too literal and look at things in a very black and white or narrow scope. There are some more, I would say, ultra-conservative Muslims that take things very, very out to the like right field, where they believe that for Muslim men, they have to dress a certain way, they have to have their facial hair in a certain way, they can't listen to any media, they have to spend almost all their time reading the Quran and understanding it in that very narrow scope. And I think that in doing that, you miss out on a lot of deeper meanings that Islam is supposed to teach and encourage us. Right, and you're, you're taking a different approach of that with, with your interpretations. And as I said, you, you've spoken out against some traditions that you haven't liked and you've received some pushback because of that. There was talk, I think we spoke about separate prayer areas for men and women. What, what were some of your thoughts on that? Well, as I want to stress that my viewpoints are a little bit more progressive than most Muslims. For the most part, from my understanding, I should say, most Muslims have a more moderate approach to Islam. But in my personal take, I believe that it's all right and acceptable to have a mixed congregation. Some folks won't agree with that, but I can also understand the reasoning behind having separate gendered prayer areas. Because from my understanding, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, encouraged his wives and female companions to have their own special area that was curtained off to give them uh, privacy and respect. And over time, uh, certain interpretations kind of, I feel, convoluted this message and took it that women have to be kind of hidden and kept out of the eyesight because for a lack of better terms, that they're lesser. But from my understanding, the Quran stresses that men and women are equals. They come from the same cloth. And that I don't believe it's helpful to treat any gender or ethnicity as lesser. Mm-hmm. Yes, and even within Stoicism, again, there's talk of egalitarianism and people being part of, of one humankind. So perhaps uh, an overlap there also within more conservative traditions there's talk about hellfire or suffering in the afterlife what are your thoughts on that i think my personal beliefs is that god is the most merciful the most kind that's something that's stressed at the beginning of every chapter of the quran except for one and for the muslims that pray five times a day we start off our prayers saying that in the name of God, the most merciful, the most kind. I don't believe that an entity such as God that is merciful, kind, benevolent, and all things good 
would be wrathful or punish, punishing anyone or do anything harmful or negative to his creation. I believe that God, in a sense, is love and everything peaceful and, as I mentioned before, good. And it doesn't really make sense that he would condemn anyone to hellfire or purposely intention put someone in harm's way as a, a form of lesson or something. There's one Quranic verse that stresses when faced with hardship, there will become ease. Uh, and it emphasizes this twice, and it's one of the more prevalent verses that emphasizes something two times to put people's focus on it. And I think that e even in times of suffering or hardship, good things will happen. And I think that's something that everyone should keep in mind. Right. That's interesting. Within Stoicism, too, there's a lot of talk on dealing with suffering as a lot of these authors in ancient times were dealing with a lot of uncertainty in the world as we're dealing with today, but maybe more so in their time with a shorter life expectancy, with more war, natural disaster, things like that. And there's an attitude of acceptance that, well, suffering is inevitable. It's just part of nature. It's something that we should expect to happen and we can be resilient in the face of challenge. I th yeah, and I think it's pretty interesting that when you look from a historical perspective about Muhammad, peace be upon him, and his early Muslim followers, how they led their lives in a time that was uh, very different from their system of belief, and that a lot of their, they were basically introducing a whole new way of life, and it was very radical and upset a lot of people. Muhammad, peace be upon him, encouraged people simple things that we don't really look as a big deal now, but there's no difference between a slave and the slave owner that maybe you shouldn't be burying your daughters simply because they're born female, that you should cherish them and be thankful that you have a child. Even other things that seem kind of silly to even mention, take a bath and try to smell good, <laughs> things like right. that. And looking, again, from a historical perspective, it's kind of scary to see how harsh the lash back at uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, was for introducing these things that we kind of think as so simple and, and common now. Like, many of his early followers were persecuted and driven out of Mecca to neighboring areas, and that some of them were actually captured and tortured, and that even still, Muhammad, peace be upon him, encouraged to be calm and resilient and peaceful. He encouraged them not to be vengeful, even when their family members or siblings or relatives or spouses are being treated so badly, that we have to have hope that God will take care of us in the long run and that everything will work out even when it doesn't look like it's working out right now. And I think we can even look to that kind of lesson in modern times with everything we see going on politically. There's a lot of divisiveness and bickering between political parties and religious groups and even different countries. And I think that it's important to stay calm and peaceful and remain resilient 
Right. There's an attitude of maybe alienation or hopelessness that I see a lot. People, they feel that they don't have any power or that the certain day-to-day activities are tremendously impacting their their daily lives, but maybe that's not the case, right? Maybe in the long run, oh, well, it might seem so bad now, but oh, well, we've gotten through this before, that this strife is just something that's part of life, right? Maybe that's an attitude we can take. Yeah, yeah. And there's one verse that's one of my personal uh, favorites in the Quran. Those who believe and do good deeds, the gracious God will create love in their hearts. And that's 1996 in the Quran. I believe that it's important to put others before yourself and to believe in a higher being or even believe in yourself. Because I know there's some people that have a low self-esteem or a lack of confidence that they could make an impact in the local community or on a larger scale that some people say, why bother getting involved or trying to do good? It's not going to make a difference because the negative and hateful people are so loud and will drown out anything I try and do. Mm -hmm. Right, but that that could be a what? A self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're just going to start by this assumption of, oh, nothing I do will create any change or it won't be any good, then you've already given up, right? So is that, is that really the attitude we should take? We could at least try and use our skills, use what we know to help others to benefit our communities, right? Yeah, and one thing that I think is kind of funny about myself is that even though I consider myself an activist and a community organizer in this surrounding area of Northeast Pennsylvania, I myself have a fear of public speaking. I want to try and push myself to put my faith Uh, to be stronger than my fears. And I think in doing so, I could try to make a little bit of a difference. And I hope that my actions can encourage others to do the same. You know, and seeing someone that's was twice voted in high school as quietest person in their class and (laughs) has a fear of public speaking. And even my first public speaking course in college that I almost failed to kind of try and turn things around and make my voice heard as a, I would consider a more positive voice of inclusiveness. I think that people could kind of learn from that and feel motivated to do something themselves. Right, that's good. So seeing that as a challenge, an area you can improve and apply yourself, and you've you've seen that you've impacted the local community, you've brought forth some change, some positivity that's influenced others so that that's good. Even when you thought, oh, well, maybe it would be difficult, you went about and did it anyway. Yeah, and I see some people that, as we mentioned before, with the negative comments online and maybe even in person, uh, they might feel dissuaded and feel like giving up. Like after doing one event or attending one rally or something of that sort, they might feel discouraged and just want to give up. But I think it's important, as I mentioned, to stay resilient and to keep pressing forward. Because that's the only way that things are going to change and progress will be made. One thing that I found to be pretty interesting and I was actually pretty glad for was I held an event in Wilkes-Barre back in February to promote random acts of kindness. And the people that came in were folks that I've never met before and that 
there weren't followers on my blog or my Facebook page or any of my friends. They were just random people from the community that heard about my event and came in. And it excited me to see that people of younger ages, there was a, a group, a small group of people ages 12, 13, and 17 that came out and felt encouraged to come out and promote random acts of kindness. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was pretty nice to see such people like that because all too often I see younger folks my age and younger that feel kind of dissuaded by everything going on and feel like I said like there's no point in trying to make a difference because their efforts aren't going to make a difference mm. yeah maybe they're thinking for something that's too grand of a change I mean maybe oh, well, the problem won't be fixed overnight, or maybe there won't be a national impact or a statewide impact, but even if it's a small impact on your local community, well, shouldn't we be focused on the, the effort rather than the result anyway? It's a common theme within Stoicism to just focus on the process that the result is often out of our control, but we could still make a good effort to try and do the best that we can. Yeah, and I think that one thing I tried to stress when I ha hold these kind of random acts of kindness events or participate in the Be Kind Scranton events is that every small act can make a difference. Small things like handing out flowers or giving out random thank you cards to strangers might seem kind of silly or hokey to some people, but they can make a real difference. At one of the events I attended in Scranton with uh, a group called the Hugging Army, <laughs> we gave out free hugs and we drew silly cartoon art on the sidewalks with sidewalk chalk and everything and one guy actually benefited from right away he came walking down the sidewalk looking very upset and angry and you could tell on his face that he was pretty disheveled and bothered and he came over curious about what was going on with the hugging army and people giving free hugs <laughs> and he wanted to participate then, and he became one of the participants in it, and he wanted to give free hugs to others. And he kept talking for a good uh, 10, 20 minutes about how he was having a miserable and horrible day, and that seeing this really changed his perspective and made him feel a lot better. And I think there just impacting one person like that is a pretty good thing. Right, right. So maybe not changing the world, but some local pick-me-ups, some local impact can definitely be a good thing. And the, here's a line from Seneca I have on on welcoming challenges and taking initiative. He, he writes in his letters, if you have nothing to stir you up and rouse you to action, nothing which will test your resolution by its threats and hostilities, if you recline in an unshaken comfort, it is not tranquility, it is merely a flat calm. It's an interesting verse. Yeah, so here he's saying, go, go out and, and do something. Don't, don't just resign. Don't just give up. Don't just stay at home. Uh, yes, welcome challenge. Try to do something to change the world. Yeah, I think that it's important to become engaged and do something. You don't necessarily have to be a person of faith to do something good. As some people might believe that you have to have a religious belief to have some sort of moral compass I think that just as human beings, we can do good and have a sense of morals because in the end, we're all human beings and I don't, I'd like to think that most people don't like to see others suffer and mm -hmm. face hardship. Right, right.
Okay, so what, right. what events do you have coming up? Uh, so one event that I'm putting together in conjunction with the Islamic Center of Scranton and St. Peter's Episcopal Church of Tunkhannock is called Know Your Neighbors, an Interfaith Dialogue Panel and Q&A. It will be September 17th at St. Peter's Church. It's at 3832 SR6, Tunkhannock, Pennsylvania. I'm hoping to have four speakers talk about their religious backgrounds. I'll have one from the Presbyterian faith, one from the Episcopal faith, and two Muslims. And I hope that in having such a dialogue event in a small country town that's predominantly white and predominantly Christian and also predominantly conservative Republican will kind of help bring about understanding and foster an environment of peace. Mm -hmm. And that's Sunday, September 17th. So people can find out more information about that and you where online? You can find more information about my, myself and this event and other future events at maloneyofnepa.com or Facebook at uh, Maloney of NEPA. Okay, good. And I'll provide those links in the show notes as well. Okay, thank you. All right. Any other closing thoughts? I would just encourage your listeners to try and make a difference no matter what your walk of life is and that every small act of kindness can make a difference. All right. Very good. Thanks for your time today and the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at justinvacula.com where you can find links to my social portals, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and see past Stoic philosophy content on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Consider donating if you support my work and would like to see more for this takes time, money, and effort to produce content. Have a great day.